Welcome to the X-Men Files, a podcast where Inessa and Brian talk about the X-Men comics. He's reading them again as an adult, she's reading them for the first time. So grab your back issues out of their Mylar bags, and let's talk about the greatest comic book series ever, the X-Men. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm Brian. And I'm Inessa. And this is the X-Men Files. Yes, it is. The podcast where we talk about the X-Men. Yes, we do. Uh, how much ado do we want before no, diving into the recap? I, we're never, ever, for the remainder of this hellish yeah. calendar year, allowed wow. to use hellish the word ado um, in so this portion of the program. I'm going to veto that. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. Um, I think you'll find that, uh, according to the rules of, you know, if you, if you have you read the bylaws? I have not. I think in the bylaws it says that uh, if we disagree on something then we have to arm wrestle for it oh yeah it, th- that's correct so <laughs> let's arm wrestle <laughs> oh wow you you i you've been working out <laughs> that's okay that's... so all right well you heard it here we, no we can't no use uh, uh ado is doa <laughs> cute fire away all right, recap. Here we go. The Uncanny X-Men issue 165 is called Transfigurations! Exclamation point, and it was released in January of 1983, and it has a cool cover that shows Storm morphing into a sleezoid. I like the cover a lot. When we left our friends, Carol Danvers, now binary star, had taken off, causing a somewhat inconsiderate hull breach on Lalandra's leisure yacht. The X-Men worked together impressively in a vacuum to plug the hole. Peter blocks it with his organic steel body. Wolverine gets to... That was like a German pronunciation. Wolverine. Wolverine. Wolverine gets to work cutting a chunk of... What are you thinking about? (laughs) Cutting a chunk of metal to cover it. Cyclops uses his optic blasts blasts of nigh-irresistible force to solder the metal bit in place. Lalandra and Nightcrawler teleport to the command deck to do computer things. The hole is plugged, fake gravity is restored, and everyone crashes to the ground. What what happened over there? I'm just I'm looking for a hair tie. If you must know, I'm well, looking, I, I asked. I'm I mean, I don't must know, but I was for curious. something that would double as a hair tie in the Cludio. I don't really see anything. How about a tie? A tie is different from a hair tie, but thank <laughs> I mean, it's got you. the word tie. In it, it does. <laughs> it does. There's anyway, a there's a mouse cord over there. I was thinking that in this bin of knitting things, there might be like a easy to spot loose knitting needle, which of course there isn't because all my knitting needles. The knitting are needle is a hair tie. Someplace else, yeah. Then you can make a bun and just like stick it through. Anyway. Weird. Okay. Meanwhile, what were you saying just now? Meanwhile, okay. Stevie Hunter, who we haven't seen in ages, yeah. Moira and Ileana are hanging out at Xavier's pool. I didn't really even know that they were all friends, but I guess Ileana is calling in whoever she can to avoid having more salad and coffee dinners with Xavier. <laughs> Stevie feels awkward seeing poolside while the X-Men could be dead, but Moira reminds her that life must go on. Maybe too soon. Yeah. Then she goes on to talk about what a hunk Xavier was when they met. Stevie understands Charles' pain at having to sit on the sidelines while others do what he or she can't. She sums it up with an awesome line. No great loss, I suppose. No worse than losing your soul. Yeah. Moira goes in to tell Charles about a new mutant kid that needs a mentor. Charles refuses, and Moira deftly uses reverse psychology, saying, Okay, I guess Magneto or Emma Frost would be happy to take her in. Charles whines about how difficult this all is for him. And gets served a big glass of shut the fuck up by Moira, (laughs) who reminds him that she had to kill her own child, Proteus, who had gone rogue. Yeah. Yikes. 
Yeah, all that happened in I think uh, issue one twenty seven mm-hmm. or something that like sounds that. Sounds kind of grim. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Uh, mentor. Yeah. Meanwhile, in space, Storm is in the Shi'ar shuttle in a moral quandary. She is sworn to protect life at all costs, including, I guess, gross symbiotic organisms. If she lets the egg live, however, then she will basically die. Plus, the creature that she will become may kill others. All of a sudden, with some more cool art, she starts to change. And then she's back to herself because the core of the nebula or stars or something. Very convenient. She realizes she has a third path, which is to summon the power of the entire core and basically, unless I misunderstood something, commit suicide. Also, yikes. While taking off her clothes. Yeah, whatever. More on that later. <laughs> Not much more on that, but uh, yeah. Back on the yacht, Lalandra, Wolverine, and surprisingly Cyclops decide to go after the brood. Later, Wolverine is thinking about how hard it must be for Cyclops to have give, given up his ideals and how convenient it is that he doesn't have any when, it, when he comes across Nightcrawler praying. They have a heavy talk about Wolverine's loneliness caused by lack of those ideals. At this point, this is starting to feel like a double issue, but we're not done yet. Okay. So, all right. In Kitty's cabin, she's having a nightmare about attending her own funeral. Then the dead kitty in the casket opens her eyes and starts to morph into a sleezoid, a super creepy image. She wakes up and Peter is there to soothe her fears of dying. That's not always there for <laughs> With some very Russian-style home truths about how we're all dying all the time. He's right, of course, but also being a bit of a dick, as she points out, because this isn't just plain old regular dying. This is super creepy body horror. Mm. They talk a little more about how they wish they could fool around more, but this might not be the time or place. It's confusing because I was pretty sure they'd done a lot of fooling around in the vampire issue. Um, and I was like, we'll behind come back closed that. doors. Yeah. All, right. yeah. All of a sudden, just when you thought nothing else could possibly happen in 23 pages, everyone starts seeing Storm. Takes her a few tries to get her form right. She's a vampire Storm, then she's baby Storm, then she's hunter Storm. Finally, she settles on a body. At the same time, the yacht is swallowed whole by one of the brood's living starships called an Akanti. Mm-hmm. They want to, quote, punch their way out, but they can't because their, quote, matter-antimatter core isn't working. You, you got to have a, a functioning matter-antimatter yeah. core. Yeah. 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 Then, plot twist, Storm says that she's the one stopping all their systems so they don't hurt the Akanti because she and the Akanti are one. Holy shit. What does it all mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the perfect end. Uh, I mean, I, I know you, you might have more, but that that that, that just about sums up. Holy shit! <laughs> and yeah. all I have more is we'll have to wait until next week to find out. We will have to wait until next week, and not next month. We get it, you know, four yeah. times as fast here yeah. at the X Men Files. Uh, yeah, four times right. as fast and forty years too late. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, so the brief thing that I was going to say about uh, Storm. No matter who is doing the drawing, whether it's Dave Cockrum or Paul Smith or anybody, we can't wait to get her out of her clothes. Out of her clothes, right. Um, and this is no exception. Yeah, but, true. She was in that yellow jumpsuit and then all yeah, of a sudden I'm, I'm she gonna, was... Yeah, I'm going to flip back here. She was naked. Uh, uh, um, Bare-ass naked. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, she's in the yellow jumpsuit, um, you know, which had you know, on page... Page 10, which is awesome. Awesome bit of drawing there. Page 10, the jumpsuit rips apart so that we get on page 11, like a lot of, um, yeah. a lot of quads and hamstrings yeah. from <laughs> Storm. Yeah, all the whole bottom nice, of the jumpsuit. Which is just... as nice as I can, as I yeah. can phrase that. Yeah. 
only for one page later for the rest of her outfit to come off. Uh, you know, we, we talked a bunch about sort of male gaze and how much we love Aurora. Those two things are, I can't tell if they're complementary or at odds. <laughs> um, but they can't wait to yeah. get Aurora naked. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they quite like getting a lot of the lady characters yeah, yeah. pretty naked. And I think that was not some... Not Kitty so much. Not so much Kitty, but... um. Because that would be Jeffrey Epstein level creepiness. Creepy, right. So that was something that I felt like I wanted to comment on a lot when we first yeah. started doing this. And we did, I think. And we did a lot. Um, yeah. And now when I see it, it's like, okay, yeah. you Another know, day at the office. No, right. Like, no. hey, look, the ladies are naked. But then also, like, you know, I don't know, what, like when you... We, don't, we never talk about the reverse of that sort of unrealistic male... Uh, forms and sort of yeah. stereotypes, you know, so like, I don't know what it's like for a little boy looking at, you know, a Wolverine or a Colossus yeah. and being like, I don't know, you know my so, dad doesn't look like that. <laughs> you know, I might not look like that nope. when I'm a grown up. <laughs> and, you know? and my son would say the same about yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we touched on that in one episode. And um, what I said at the time, because I, 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 you know, I, I re-listen to these episodes. Mm-hmm. I listen to them, rather. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I say them, and then I listen to them. And during, I, I don't feel any need for Lee right now. I didn't notice it. Yeah. Um, I noticed it on the women because I'm, I'm heterosexual, and maybe if I weren't, that would be different. Like, if I see Colossus, I mean, I, I mean what I can say is, you know, seeing Colossus, who, I mean, I'll use him as an example, but, you know, frankly, uh, Scott, uh, Cyclops as well. Uh, like it didn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I... but but I mean, I, 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 I and I guess I don't want to say like if, if that didn't, nothing could because that's that's not true. But um, I just didn't notice it. But I'm saying like so when I was a little girl, if I had been reading this or you yeah. know any number of of female images, I, I wouldn't have. I didn't actually start to notice those things until I was loads sure. older. Yeah, you know, like it's the noticing that's sort of the. Um, it's the noticing that's sort of like the good part or the important part in a way. It's like just seeing those images and yeah. absorbing them as a norm for how women are supposed to look like or for what women are supposed to look like right. is the is the harmful part in a way. It's like once you start noticing those things, that's when you're like, well, wait, hold on. Well, sure. Um, you're saying once you start noticing it, that means that there is an awareness and the awareness is a good thing. Right. The awareness yeah. of the manipulation that you're sort of being I, manipulated is that's a good just, thing. I, I, within the context of, of superhero comics, this is a, this is an indefensible point that I'm about to make. Just okay. so clear. Um, it's my favorite kinds of points. Yeah, exactly. So so what I'm about to say <laughs> like is most, going... Like most of your points. <laughs> yeah. What, what I'm about to say is going to be wrong. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm kind of trying it on. And Let's this is, do it. Yeah. So uh, within the context of superhero comics... The context, okay. The context of, of of superhero comics, everybody looks unrealistic, right? And the I, men I, do, and the women do, and now that's not like two wrongs make a right. No, but at the same time, I don't know the extent to which that. I don't think it changed my set of expectations. Like, I've never seen anybody on Earth who looks like Aurora. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you don't think it changed your set of ex- like in terms of like a, a sort of an expectation, um, 
in terms of what you thought you were falling short of if you didn't look like that. Exactly. Here's what bothers me more. And let me be clear. It, the male gaze and I guess the sort of carnal gaze for the men, (laughs) there is no telling, tellingly, there is no, there there is is no no, social equivalent uh, for the male gaze. Um, that troubles me, and and it is a speed bump that that I hit every time I read this stuff. Mm-hmm. More on that in a moment. But what bothers me more are magazines where images of actual humans are changed or altered. altered. Right. What bothers me more is that on television, certainly in the eighties, um, there's only a certain type of physical presence that we get mm-hmm. that opened up a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, I, you know, we, we can't go more than a few weeks without talking about the Jeffersons. But <laughs> it was clear to me. No, so Tom Willis, uh, every episode of the Jeffersons, they make fun of the fact that he's fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was, that was made clear to me. And, like, that's not even the only show. I mean, in 2020, that, that idea of a very narrow body shape it's still present don't get me wrong but it's not as as bad as it was in the early 80s yeah i mean every harry potter book makes fun of the fact that yeah. the dursleys are fat yes and yes like no one hated jk rowling until she said that people that menstruate are called women or whatever like that was although i did know some people in my right. facebook life that are uh, yeah. that are really not into harry potter specifically because of that she well, yeah i mean there there was occasional criticism but but, but i think that um yeah, uh, you know, sort of take the bitter with the sweet, and you know, she she was maybe given a pass uh, on that mulligan on that. Yeah. Uh, now that she's kind of uh, transphobic, people are reevaluating all of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole the whole notion of yeah, okay, it's all about purity of blood, but really, you're only a wizard if you're born a wizard, and um, some other other you know, it's like that episode of Community with a trampoline. <laughs> where, where, like, they suddenly figure out that the dude is a Nazi. <laughs> um, yes, Nazism mm. is funny. All right. Um, returning to presentation of of forms, um, reading this, I, I the, the thing that I want to come back to, you know, I'm hopping around in the X-Men continuity. Yesterday, I read a couple of issues from, like, 91 which is when they relaunched the title with X-Men number one, or the best-selling comic issues ever. Artist is Jim Lee. I find those difficult to read. Hmm. Because, because everybody is, like, to the nth degree hypersexualized. Male, female, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at, like, like all the women in the comics, it doesn't matter how old they are, right. <laughs> whatever. It's like, 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 Hips uh, and, and it's all hips, like, and, like, hips and nipples, yeah. Hips and <laughs> ass and tits and just and I'm looking at it and like the part of me that kind of wants to be on board for that is overwhelmed <laughs> by just how I mean it's a weird thing. Like like I, I don't know I don't know what sort of weird double negative happens there because mm-hmm. you know again I'm on record as saying Yeah you're I, into you're into that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean I have I have the same sort of carnal thoughts yeah, sure. that that you know you know red, that, that red, a heterosexual red-blooded American man. Yeah, yeah. heterosexual man I'm like putting it like that, but like a heterosexual male yeah. has. And a heterosexual male that that maybe is not like heterosexual male in the Mike Pence vein. <laughs> like somebody, you know, 
who who likes to have a good time, <laughs> right? But like I'm looking at that and I'm like, holy Toledo, this is just it's too much. It's too much, man. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like eating four bars of chocolate. <laughs> I I'm sick. Yeah. So so there are there are places where comics are too much for me. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Uh, <clears throat> and also, I, I, I'm going to read more of, of the Jim Lee uh, run on that. This, the set that we're reading, they're redeemed by the fact that that Claremont, uh, in a way that I didn't really appreciate, um, at least not consciously, he writes very good female characters. Mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I'm reading this, we're, we love Aurora much more so than I did when I was a kid. Right. Uh, not that I didn't like her. Sure. Just, just, just kind yeah, of she did. Yeah, you didn't connect with her as much. Yeah. yeah. So, so like these, these women are amazing and all right, they're easy on the eyes. Um, the issue with like Jim Lee, I'm like, I don't know what his point of view is. Right. Right. Whereas Claremont, he seems to be pretty even handed about that mm-hmm. and good for him. Yeah. And yep. good for us because makes the makes the stories a lot more yep. compelling. Yeah, right. that was a little ranty there. That's fine. On my part, I mean, that's, what we're, that's what we're here for. To listen, to we're listen, here for me to rant. To listen to you rant. <laughs> yeah. So I'd written down. Oh, sorry, bumped the ottoman. That's right. Uh, so it feels like a no-brainer to me, but I guess I'm unencumbered by Storm's morality, like her decision about whether to kill the, you know, try to kill the the weird symbiotic organism or yep. let it take over her. Did you read that as in any way a comment on abortion? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. Me too. I did a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And did, then I thought did about not it. as a kid. I mean, abortion yeah. was not on my mind at, yeah, yeah, at I, age, uh, I think I'm 11 at this, 10 or something like that. Maybe I'm 11 at this point. Uh, I thought about um, I thought about it as I was reading it, and then I sort of meant to come back to it and explore it more, like, um, you know, in my thoughts. Yeah. And probably didn't really... Um, do that yeah and it's not a deep dive right um right yeah but uh but i had written down you know it's it's so no-brainer to me because i don't share her moral you know if something is going to you know embed itself <laughs> right in me that's and i'm not taking it as a metaphor for pregnancy but like an right. evil alien <laughs> yeah, yeah. force <laughs> yeah and there was anything that i could do to remove it i wouldn't really feel that bad about it this is one where I'm fully on board. Yeah. Uh, I I think that killing is wrong. Not in this case, though. <laughs> right. But I, I, yeah. I had written down that it's impossible yeah. not to feel how alone she feels in that moment. You know, that's yes. a very sad, a very sad scene. But then I also thought, you know, suicide also seems like it would not be okay based on her moral code. But somehow, yeah, there's too many things to touch in here. So. <laughs> Uh-huh. Somehow it is. So that was a little that didn't ring true for me. Um, it seemed like a weird sort of loophole. Like I can't kill the thing. I don't want to become the. So I'll just kill myself and then kill the thing in the pro- like. I don't know. It felt like you, you fair. Yeah. Usually people that are yeah. really against killing are also really against suicide. Uh, not necessarily. Mm, maybe not. Uh, um, there are loads of people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a, a venal sin, a vestigial sin, whatever the Catholic thing is. I think it's a venal sin. I love that they've got grades. Of, <laughs> I mean, I mean, th- th- that's actually not all that crazy, but th- there's like, there's only two lanes that it could be. 
it's like a misdemeanor or a felony if you're Catholic. Um, I don't know very much about the the gradients of uh, of sinning. Uh, nor do I. I know that killing yourself is a biggie. In yeah. if we're talking about Catholicism, I don't know how the Protestants feel about that. Uh, they're not for it, yeah. but um, well, it's interesting because that informs. Uh, I, I believe I may be mistaken about this, but um, I believe that, that informs their take on euthanasia. Right. Um, so, so that's that's a that's an interesting one where. Okay, maybe maybe it's a misdemeanor, if, you know, uh, uh, yeah. like like end of life uh, decisions, decisions yeah. for people who are terminally ill yeah. and so forth. Yeah, I should know how Jewish people feel about uh, suicide, but I I think they're probably opposed. I don't. You don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything yeah. about the. You know, I mean, sure like, like if like you like can't a, if you can't get a tattoo, gallons, <laughs> I think you probably can't gallons of slice open spilled. your wrists yeah, yeah. and bleed or, out know, medically assisted. What's yeah. that? Or even like medically assisted? Uh, yeah, euthanasia. I don't know. I don't know. But but in terms of suicide, they're probably opposed. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, non-euthanasia, non-sort of, uh, you know what I mean, uh, depression-related suicide. I mean, I mean, nobody's in favor of that. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's even really, I think, on on the fence or, or, or indifferent about that. You know, nobody, nobody wants that. No, but I mean, yeah. no, correct. But Catholics go the extra mile of, you know, that it's like it's yeah, a yeah. sin. It's a, you know, right, it's not right. just a like a tragedy, which obviously everyone thinks yes. that it is. But it's also like you've ups- now, now you've upset God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't kill yourself because if you do, you'll yeah, go straight yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've made your family sad, but you know, even more importantly, you've made God sad. Yeah. Um, you don't want to make God cry. You don't want to make God. That's a pussy. When, Jesus. <laughs> when I had been reading this, I had it, I had also had the thought to sort of look up like culturally where we were at that time on abortion, sort of what the mm. you know the conversation was and why yeah. that would have you know would that have informed his their decision to to yeah I don't know make it seem a little abortiony, but I didn't uh, yeah I didn't I don't do open that up that can yeah. Uh, yeah abortion anyway. Um, how did this all read to 10 year old you like the religion, the, the ideals, the loneliness, was that all like the conversation between Nightcrawler and, and, uh, uh the conversation between Nightcrawler and Wolverine maybe would have tracked. I, I didn't read it as an abortion metaphor. And again, I don't think that they go really deep yeah, into no. that. They, no, I mean more like the whispering. The, it. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, you know, at the time I'm trying to think, where was I? Had I been baptized yet? And, and so you were probably maybe on the, what's that? Churchgoer, churchgoer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, um, when I say that I was a, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, frankly, apart from <laughs> the only thing that matters in Christianity, we've had this conversation, my behavior and my moral worldview is remains very christian mm-hmm. i don't i don't partake in any of the ritual also it can't be a christian because i'm an atheist but <laughs> you can't square that circle yeah um all right so, so at the time I, I was christian and this was based on egalitarianism uh sanctity of life um and maybe one or two other things sure. <laughs> um, egalitarianism is the bedrock moral principle that i have mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that rarely comes through in most depictions of religion in popular culture. Fair. Uh, it, it's usually about uh, belief in belief in God, a monotheistic uh, belief in God, and just sort of identifying as a member right. of religion. Whereas that was not essential to the flavor of Christianity that I was surrounded by. Right. You you did just kind of as a matter of sure. course, but but the um, 
the egalitarianism was first. So it was like less of a club that you belonged to and more of a shared belief system that you had with and, the and people And here's the thing. Um, my take on and my frustration with a lot of uh, religious uh, groups is it's not a club that you belong in. It's an identity mm-hmm. that you wear. And that is a different thing than saying that it is a moral, you know, that it is a belief system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll get, I'll, I'll talk, I, I don't, I think Mike Pence is a lousy Christian. Mm. <laughs> but, it, and, it, and it really galls me that he can say, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I really believe in it and it's a really good thing. And uh, Christian, Christian. And and people like <laughs> bite. He does. He does. He's he's a schmuck. But um, I, Christians don't put kids in cages. Christians don't give a fuck about selling a wedding cake to somebody because they're gay. I mean, have we talked about this on on, on the thing yet? About how how Christians ought to be delighted that I mean, if if they're opposed to homosexuality, not everybody is. The Pope. He's not opposed the to gay like, oh. <laughs> right. So, but but even if you're, it's like like this is a golden opportunity for us. If I, if I'm in the wedding cake industry and I want to bear witness to people whose views are different than mine, you put up a sign in your door that says you know, "Gay Wedding Registry," so that you're gonna have them come in and you say, "Hey, yeah, we're gonna make a cake." Hey, have you ever read Leviticus or whatever the fuck? Sure. You know, hey, have you ever read Leviticus? You know, because like that's that's my you know. What do you guys think about that? And like, this is where you try to convert them. That's a good strategy. But hang on, hang on. So, so l- let me be clear. Um, I'm opposed to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I got no trouble. I got no beef whatsoever about you know, about people getting gay married because nobody cares that I got straight married. <laughs> But so, so Mike Pence, they don't put people in cages. Christians don't do that. Yeah. Christians don't countenance all of the stuff that he does. And, and it, it just, it drives me up a wall yeah. because he has practiced Christianity as an identity rather than a moral framework. Mm. And I, I, sorry, I rant the second. Mm-hmm. Um, returning to the issue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fact that. Kurt is a Christian. Um, he's Catholic. Pretty sure he's. Yeah, he's Catholic. He's, he's, he's Bavarian. So he's got, he's got to be. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be. Oh yeah, he was. He was in Latin. He's a Catholic. I, he was neither here nor there for me as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's not like I'm one of these people who was like, oh hey, it's great to see some you know representation there. It's like, yeah, okay. I just think to me it felt pretty pedestrian. Because, like, loads of people have religion, yeah. and they, was, they, they go out and practice it, and, like, let's, okay, yeah. But I guess I'm curious, was, like, was Wolverine a character that was like, yeah, he's badass, and, or was it like, oh, he's sad? Like, no. Or neither. For Wolverine, um, neither. Uh, and at that age, uh, Wolverine troubled me because he was sort of overexposed. He was the crux of so many stories, and I just found him a little bit tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, his his tough guy shtick I thought was a little played. Mm-hmm. Reminder: I'm ten when I'm coming <laughs> to this conclusion. Um, I, I've got it's weird that I have loads more patience for him when I'm when older. When you're an adult, yeah. Because I would I would have thought that it would be the reverse. Yeah, but, but no. Yeah, fair. Uh, no, it, it, the, the, I, and I can't reconcile that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
Maybe just you have a lot of other stuff that you think about now. But when you were a kid, you like thought about the stuff loads. I think I don't know. So I, yes. But I mean, I had also said in the last yeah. issue that you know some of that that conversation yeah. gets tedious for me as well. Yes, you know now. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I was not bothered by it then. I'm still not bothered by it now. I mean, it's repetitious, and we're reading these more frequently than once per month. You mm-hmm. know, like like 52 times a year rather than 12. So yeah, you're gonna see that. Um, a little bit more. I think I didn't like Wolverine because I, I wanted more Cyclops. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, weirdly, he was my favorite character, and he was always kind of on the sidelines. And I think the the you know the comic wanted it. You know, they wanted you to be on Wolverine's side, and I'm like, I don't know. Why was he? Why was he your favorite character? <sighs> I, I don't have a good answer for that. Probably because I identified with him more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyclops is the guy who's Wolverine is also like isolated and alone, but but really in a way that draws he attention he to himself. Care. Yeah, he's a little bit of an attention whore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm actually talking myself out of Wolverine now. <laughs> but Cyclops, like he. he he wore glasses, which in our culture means he's he's the bookish guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. I mean, he, you know, Beast is way. We haven't seen much of him, but you know, there are people that are brighter than uh, uh, than Cyclops. Um, but yet that and a sort of a sort of a doomed romance, um, and and we don't need to repeat just like how old I was before I ever kissed a girl. <laughs> um, but that was one where not eleven. Uh, no, not eleven. It was older than eleven. But um, yeah, at that age, I mean, I I started noticing women sure. you know, physically probably from the age of six. Sure, sure. <laughs> so you're years later, and so Cyclops is. Actually, I was about to say like, he's sort of an insult. He's not at all, uh, actually, like because Gene died, and so he's well, he's, I mean, he's he romanticized the, sh- the ship captain. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so uh, actually, I can't reconcile that either. I mean, I mean, they dude got laid. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's weird because I like yeah. I think of him, and we're going to see another romantic interest for him in a few issues. His main storyline was the one with his dad, I think, in the time yeah, that I've been yeah. reading, and and in that he often was sort of like a petulant teenager cyclops uh, yeah. yeah scott um a little yeah. bit and so i don't know really, somehow, i missed a couple of those issues yeah somehow yeah. it i'd like i don't feel that attached to him now as a character maybe it's just because among the first issues that i read was 138 which is entirely scott's yeah. story maybe that's maybe it's no more complicated than that than that right he was like your your first <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's my first exactly yeah yeah <laughs> Um, let's see what else I wrote down. Oh, hey, can, can we oh. talk about, uh, 1983? I mean, I mean, you looked as though you, I mean, if you've got something. No, so I, I had that, written down that I was weirdly bothered by, um, Kitty's funeral costume. I don't know why. Something about that, like, like a wedding dress? white dress and the thing. Yeah. It looked like a communion dress. Like the sort of communion thing that, dress? yeah, like little girls wear for communion. I mean, which is also basically a wedding. It's like a wedding dress. Yeah, it looks like a wedding. I don't know something about that. Right. Uh, Communion dress. Like that'd be a like that'd be a yeah. Like yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, and then also I had written down so like the whole kitty. How old is? How old <laughs> is Peter? We don't know. Uh, yeah. Let's just say eighteen. Okay. So like the whole sort of old for- enough to get arrested <laughs> for what he's doing. Well, it's interesting because like I don't think that now a fourteen-year-old girl mm-hmm. would be written as a proactive sexual 
being without there being the implication of there having been some sort of shenanigans. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like the the sort of, you know, like, and I, and I, I actually don't, I mean, I've been 14. Me too. Um, <laughs> Not a girl. But. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I don't, the idea that a, that a girl that age couldn't have sexual, like, desires that she wanted to act on unless she was being sort of groomed or abused or whatever yeah. else um, doesn't actually ring 100% true for me based on my own experience of having been 14. Let me make sure. I, 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 that troubled Too many negatives? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Too many so, words. <laughs> your your view on, on Kitty is that she is kind of, kind of sexually forthright. I think so. Yes. Yeah. I, Understood. Yeah. Um, and and you think that doesn't one hundred percent ring true? I think it. I think it does ring true. But I think that the that's the double negative that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it does ring true. Yeah. But I think that like. And obviously, you don't need to go into any more detail than than, than you feel comfortable with talking about like how you know what your experience of being age fourteen was. Yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, I won't. But the yeah. point is that I it does ring true. And but I think okay. that like if this was being written. Or even read by somebody else now yeah. it would be like there'd be sort of a hesitation because I feel like the the, the yeah, cultural moment fourteen feels too young the cultural moment that we're at fourteen feels too young yeah. somehow but yeah. I don't I'm not actually a hundred percent sure that it is too young based on my experience of having been fourteen sure now if he's twenty two obviously that's creepy right but if he's yeah sixteen right. Like, then it's like a Romeo and Juliet. People have yeah, sexual Juliet were like, like, like yeah, 16 or urges yeah. that they act yeah. on at that time. And that doesn't mean that they're being sort of uh, statutorily raped or manipulated or sure. groomed or whatever else. Yes. Yes. Um, it's interesting. I'm trying to think of other stories where there is any character, you know, whatever gender, 14, 15, um, where sex is kind of under discussion there have been a couple of movies like there's the movie 13 i can't remember the name of the director we haven't seen that uh the kids uh there's about like people having sex at a very very young age i haven't seen these things yeah. <laughs> i'm aware of them yeah yeah um and there's a, a movie maybe it's called eighth grade and i don't know if it touches on that or not hey how about some more movies that are not relevant that, that are possibly relevant yeah. but about which i i have experienced nothing and um i, I think that you're right I think that, um, in the moment, uh, at any age, but especially if they're female, they're going to be presented as sexually unaware, sexually uninterested until like maybe 16. Maybe, but like, yeah. but, but also that, that any sort of sexual activity under the age of, you know, what is considered adulthood, which is 18. Is... And when we say sexual activity, it's like... Like kissing or whatever. We're not right, talking you about know, yeah, um, is, is sort of, a, you know, potentially there's like potentially something bad going on. Right. And yeah, that no 14 year old girl would, would ever act on whatever urges she might have. Right. Unless, if, unless she had been right, you know, yeah. abused yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that uh, and that just sort my of a next complicated morass of, yeah. Is like, what is it like the, um, the uh, like the commitment. I, I'm getting this wrong, but 
I know like in Texas and other places like these, like they have these father daughter things where like she commits to being a virgin until she's married. And it's like, I saw some like on Twitter or something like that. These photos are creepy as fuck mm. with like <laughs> fathers and their, and their daughters. Uh, like they get dressed up for, I mean, it's, it's not dissimilar to the, you know, the thing that, that I take our daughter to where like, like there's the me and you know, the me and my guy dance, yeah. which is like good fun. But, but I, like I have an asterisk around that. Yeah. It's a little, I go because yeah. she, wants she wants to go, to go and go. she yeah. has fun. Yes. And so it's not problematic from that standpoint, but like, I like that would never be my idea. Yeah. But um, yeah. So this whole idea of just trying to make women asexual until their agency gets handed off from father to a husband is yeah. just fucking creepy. Yeah. yeah I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that also exists. Like, I think that's sort of the view maybe more on like the, the right, but I think yeah. that a little bit of also that also exists on the left. Those- um, yeah, just the sort of, you know, like I said, the sort of idea that if, if someone is, you know, sexual at that age, that there would have been, you know, something, something has happened. Uh, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of, all right, so on, on, on the podcast Harmontown, which by the way is awesome and everybody should stop listening to this, go listen to Harmontown. <laughs> totally listen to it right There now, was, yeah. um, th- th- there was a porn actress whose name I, I escapes me. Uh-huh. What? Nothing. She, I'm just curious a porn where this is going. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. where this is going is, uh, and I can't remember how old she is, but she's like in her early twenties or something like that. And she's talking about it and she says, yeah, everybody thinks that I got into this because like my dad abused me or my uncle molested me. He's like, um, no, I really love sex. I've loved sex since I was like, oh, you repeat the phrase that she used. Like, like guys were pulling trains on me when I was 17. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I mean, she had sex with a, a, a big group of dudes. Oh. <laughs> like at the age of 17. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and, and she like she says like hey I like I love having sex yeah being an actress in porn is fantastic you know yeah. if if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your yeah. life what's well, interesting yeah. like and, even... she, and she said like from a very young age like I've just wanted I've just wanted to have sex yeah so even having said what I just said yeah interestingly hearing you say that now about someone who's seventeen still made me go well I'm sure there was something going on like. It still made me well. Yeah. Part of it is because I mean she's describing a, a, a pretty pretty extreme form yes. of yeah. I'm talking uh, about something, like something a... that's like 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 pretty niche for yeah, yeah people in their 30s right. or 20s or whatever. <laughs> niche yeah. is a good way of describing it. Yeah. yeah, 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 and you know not no judgment. Yeah, um, no, I mean yeah. So even you know even having said what I said about you know that <laughs> it was okay for Kitty to want to make out with uh, yeah. you know Colossus a little and that didn't mean yeah. that you know someone had had assaulted her or anything else. Uh, Still, there's that idea, like, oh, wait, maybe there was, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. Do we have anything else to say about um, adolescent sex? I don't think that I do. <laughs> I think we've covered it. Other <laughs> than, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, return. So the page with the, uh, as you put it, communion address, page 16. This is maybe a nice segue. Uh, Paul Smith is doing really fantastic work. This is our first issue with Paul Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually troubled myself to do the sort of research that I always claim I could do, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't. It didn't net me all that much. Paul Smith, 
he was born in Kansas. He worked in animation. He drew some comics and kind of like, that's the end of it. Huh. It's, it he only draws like 10 issues of the X-Men. Uh, very finely remembered by a lot of fans, but but also very much by me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember he was, you know, he remains second only to John Byrne mm-hmm. uh, as my favorite X-Men artist. Um, he's amazing. And that, that, that panel, like, like on, on 16, where he's playing with the, uh, the panel structure, uh, basically just sort of disregarding it. Right. Uh, and, and, and the same thing he had done with, um, on page, page 10, where y- you get that bottom, uh, image of, of storm. Yeah. That it, it, this is very clever. Like the white background means that, that, that image of storm kind of collapsing with these tentacles coming mm-hmm. out of her because it's a white background. That means that like it actually takes up the entire page. Right. And we have all of this empty space above her. It's simultaneously empty and filled, mm-hmm. which is just fucking brilliant. Uh, so, so we get the panels, but at the same time we get, uh, we get this other layout mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that just powerfully conveys this sense of isolation and desperation. Yeah. Uh, genius, genius work. Uh, and I can't remember, it's either Paul Smith described his style this way or somebody else did. It's like, only the lines that matter. Right. You'll notice that there's, they're not very busy, the Mm -hmm, images. mm -hmm. And a lot of that, uh, well, the the thinking is that that is largely informed by his work in animation. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I'll I'll throw Jim Lee under the bus again here. (laughs) Jim Lee is like the antithesis of this. Uh, Jim Lee, um, his his style. I'll dig an issue up. Loads of lines, yeah, all more, over more the fucking more. place. This is yeah. the one with the sexy, sexy. Yeah, the sexy dude. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pull up a, a Jim Lee issue. But uh, yeah, Paul Smith. What 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 do we uh, what do we think of Paul Smith? Yeah, I like there in this one. It's very um, agreed. It's very sort of clean. Yeah, and the colors are always like there's like a color palette. There you go. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm showing uh, I'm showing you an issue from Jim Lee. This is like X Men yeah. number five or something like that. Ever looks kind of evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On yeah. that page. And that's not even as busy as it usually gets. All right. Sorry, I, I cut you off. No, no, that, just that that there's like a, a palette of colors that they draw from, and and they don't stray very far outside of that, so everything sort of seems uh, harmonious. Yeah. On the page. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really groovy. Yeah. Um, he did some work in Doctor Strange. I just kind of thumbed through it. Uh, I'll read the story at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was good. And he did a thing. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of a, a miniseries with Kitty in Japan. I'm blanking on the name of it. That was sort of okay. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, it looked a lot different because the color. Mm-hmm. like it, it, Sort of modern computer-generated color. That I didn't, I think, didn't serve the art as well mm-hmm. as this. I mean, you'd said a, a kind of a, a muted color palette. palette. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I haven't looked, but like all the, let's see, yeah, like every sort of vignette has its own sort of colors. Like the whole Peter and Kitty thing is all like pinks and blues. When they're outside at Xavier's house, it's all like uh, yellows and greens. Yeah. And then there are some other colors. Yeah, how fabulous does Moira look, by the way? <laughs> um, you know, it's crazy. Uh, we've already established that I was um, uh, noticing women. Um, I, 
rereading this issue, like I remember like Moira tying a Tying towel thing, around yeah. her waist <laughs> like from being 10. <laughs> like he's like, "Oh man, she looks all right." <laughs> yeah, and you know she still does. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so this was a good issue. I liked it. it. It did a lot of it achieved a lot of I don't remember how many meanwhiles I had, but it definitely had like at least four or five different Yeah. things happen. Yeah, it was short, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what happens next. Next is Double Issue. Ooh, the thrilling conclusion. The thrilling conclusion. Oh, you get to write the summary. That's so exciting. Yeah, I know. I know. You're very, very happy about that. (laughs) Um, We're actually actually pretty close to being done. Yeah. Um, Good on time. Uh, Bunny, I'm going to chew through another two minutes. Yeah. uh, Unless you've got... uh, Do do you have any any other other parting thoughts about issue number whatever this is? No, I liked it. I don't have any parting thoughts. Issue 165. all All of my thoughts. All of your thoughts. Uh, what else happened in January 19, 1983? 1983. 1983, 1983 almost, a merman I turned to be. That's a Jimmy Hendrix song. You almost turned 11. You were yes, almost, I was 11. almost 11. So I was 10. Uh, President Ronald Reagan nominates Elizabeth Dole as U.S. Secretary of Transportation. Right. I'd completely forgotten that she had a cabinet post. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a bullshit cabinet post. <laughs> Secretary of Transportation. Like Secretary of Riding the Bus. <laughs> right. Um <laughs> This is another cool one, uh, which at the time, no one would have noticed. ARPANET transitions to, on January the 1st, ARPANET transitions to TCPIP. That's like the precursor of the internet? Yeah, Transfer Connect Protocol, Internet Protocol. Ah. That's the uh, the communication protocol for computers to pass messages to each other. ARPANET, of course, uh, the Advanced Research Projects Administration. Formerly the DARPA Net, hmm. uh, so Department of Defense, which contracted out to uh, Bolt Moranik and Newman huh. uh, to build this uh, computer network. Um, yeah, so so it, the public version of that. I mean, DARPA Net still exists, by mm-hmm. the way, but you know the ARPANET was the uh, the public uh, version of that, and uh, they switched over to TCP/IP. Cool. Yeah, and that uh, in you know, January 1983. How far in ad- how far in advance do they? So like it, this was released in January of 1983. We've had this conversation. Have we? Yeah. yeah. When would it have been written? I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, Maybe like six months prior, but the publication date. Take that with a grain of salt because um, I, I can't remember what's what. I want to say I want to say that I don't know when this would have been like on shelves. Yeah. It's almost like it would be interesting to see what was happening in the news at the time that it was that being yeah. created Good rather question. than when it was released. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, we don't see loads of that. I mean, we occasionally do these spot the 80s moments uh, and there are occasional yeah, space, references yeah. to... Yeah, exactly. We're not going to... But um, Fraggle Rock began. <laughs> I love the Wikipedia entry about Fraggle Rock because... Uh, do, do you have any memories of Fraggle I Rock? I never watched Fraggle Rock. Okay. No. It was a cool show. I dug yeah. it. Uh, also, I was ten, uh, but <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I'd probably enjoy it now. Yeah. I've, I've kind of come come full come circle, full circle yeah. on that. But the way that they describe it, Canada and the United States launch Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock, a worldwide program <laughs> advocating tolerance. I didn't read it that, that way. way. <laughs> it was it was like a Bobo and 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 Goozer and. Uh, <laughs> What Junkie Bung and I don't know who they all were. Uh, yeah, and there was like the, the, the this weird royal family. They were like the humans in, in in suits, and there was like their son saw the Fraggles, but nobody else ever saw them. Yeah. So like they didn't believe they existed. Okay. Uh, Lotus One Two Three 
released for IBM PC compatible computers. Mm, so, Lotus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not the first spreadsheet program. Mm-hmm. What was? Ooh, what was the name of it? I don't know. VisiCalc. Oh, I, I wouldn't know VisiCalc. And then finally, high-ranking Nazi war criminal Klaus Barbie is arrested in Bolivia. Huh. So we were still nabbing Nazis. Yeah, we were still looking for Nazis. Yeah. Oh, and also uh, seatbelts become mandatory in the United Kingdom. Fascinating. Uh, drunk driving, maybe they were pretty more tolerant <laughs> about. Uh, probably eventually closed the door on that. Yeah, not that many people, you know, certainly in the big cities actually drive when right. they're drinking. Yeah, right. So. right. And, and, and who knows, man. Um, by the way, North by Northwest, uh, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. I, I watched it as a kid, and then I watched it again as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know that, so they, they have to kill, they don't have to, they want to kill Cary Grant. You know how they try to do it? They get him hammered. <laughs> they put him in a car. Yeah, they, yes, <laughs> yes. And the crazy thing, so like he's driving drunk down this winding mountain road and they show him like, <laughs> like, like weaving and, and like the tension comes like, man, is that, is that drunk guy able to drive on this windy road? <laughs> he gets arrested, uh-huh. pulled over for driving drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the next day he fights the charge. He's like, that was not me. I didn't. I didn't do it. Uh, like they forced me to drink, and everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever, pal." You know, <laughs> it's like, like, oh, really? They forced you. And he's, like, he's making a big fuss because, hey, that's just that's totally not like me. Yeah, I would never I do that. I would never and do then, that. Yeah. And then finally, like, like his his girlfriend or whatever says, "Look, just pay the two dollars." <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I guess like my my fucking jaw so hit the funny. floor. <laughs> What? <laughs> Just pay the two dollars. It's amazing to me that we ever had a problem <laughs> with drunk driving. When yeah, it's a two dollar fine. Yeah. You could you could have fucking murdered somebody. <laughs> Just pay the two dollars. All right. That's funny. Uh, all, right. all right. So drunk driving, abortion, and adolescent sex. Yep. Uh, this week. Next week, we'll talk about none of those things. Yep. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The X-Men Files. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you listen, please rate us. If you want to drop us a note, you can reach us via email at cerebro at xmenfiles.com. You can also check out our website, xmenfiles.com. Our theme music is Invasion to Space Frog by Checky Brown. That music available under a Creative Commons license. Everything else was written, produced, and performed by Brian and Inessa. 